0: So our team meets in a room right across the hall, and as we're in there talking, praying, kind of, you know, just asking God to show up, and we're kind of talking about different things about the service and getting different transitions, right, and all that kind of stuff, we, we notice there are these really cheesy, motivational sayings up on the walls, all these posters, right? And so we start kind of making fun of them. one of them, there it is, passion. That's right across the hall there, right? So this guy's like flying on this whatever kind of fake plane thing thingamajigger, and he's out there, and we thought, uh, how funny would it be if one by one we just Photoshop one a week, right? We take one, we Photoshop it, and replace it, you know? And instead of passion, you know, we'll Photoshop, like, a hole in one of the wings. It'll just be failure, you know? Like, like how funny would that be? And, and just see how long it takes them as we do this one by one. And I only imagine one day, like, the leader of the meeting will be in there. It's like our motto says so eloquently on the wall. Failure, you know, who did this, right, what happened? Now, our team is slightly deranged, okay, and I'll give you that, and sometimes we have a strange point of view, and we always kind of crack up as we're sitting there in the room, and we're looking at these pictures from a different point of view, and the interesting thing is, guys, God looks at things in our lives from a very different point of view, than we do, right? In fact, that's the heart behind this series. So often, we have things sort of upside down. God has his way of viewing things in our lives, and God has his way of viewing things that are happening here in our lives and in those around us, and the way things should be done, and just sort of a perspective on how things are actually working and going and should continue to go. And then, we kind of have our upside down way of viewing many of those same things. It's almost like sometimes we become a prisoner caught in the upside down. We can't get out, we're stuck, and we can't find our way back to reality, to reality. To the real world. And so throughout this series, we're going to talk about some of these things that we sort of have upside down and begin to look at them from God's perspective. And one of those things, one of those things we have upside down, one of those things God views very differently than we do has to do with how we view strength and weakness. I want you to think about strength and weakness here. You see, our world right now, we are all about strength, Right? No one walked into this room tonight just talking about your weaknesses and talking about the things in your life that aren't all buttoned up and put together, right? We all walked into this room tonight. You walk to your job this week. You're going to go back to school in a few, you know, in a month, all kind of buttoned up, looking good, right? You're just like, I got it all together. There's nothing weird going on here, nothing behind the scenes. I have no issues. I'm strong. I'm put together, and I'm doing good, right? None of us walk around talking about our weaknesses because our culture says be strong. Weakness is worth nothing, Right? And we have this whole thing upside down. You see, I think that our culture and our world around us has really made strength somewhat of an idol, right? We're told to be strong in our accomplishments, right? So if you go to school, come on, man, work hard. I mean, now we should work hard, but we have made it the be-all, end-all. Show us how strong you are by how you do in that school. Show us how strong you are by how you achieve. You close that deal, you make sure you get the promotion. Show us on the basketball court, out on the ball field, on the stage, playing your instruments, you prove to us how strong you are in your accomplishments. What about in our goodness, right? the world would say, yeah, we're pretty good people. I think, I think we're pretty just decent people, right? And, and so let's kind of just make sure we show everybody how good we are. Let, let's really put that out there and, and prove to the world how good we are and put it out for everybody to see. Man, you walk an old lady across the street, you better be Instagramming that, right? Get your goodness out there. Promote it. Push it, right? What about spirituality? The world around us might look at us and say, well, I'm not really into the whole spirituality thing, but if you are, then go for it, man. You climb that ladder to God. You do everything you have to do to perform your way into his good graces. Work hard. Show us how strong you are. Some of us might say, you know, I think another thing that's pushed is our our heritage. You know, I was actually talking with Tim Smith here tonight, and Tim was on tour all summer with his school, playing at all these different camps and places. And I said, Tim, you know what? There's nothing like being home on Long Island. There's nowhere like Long Island, because we have this pride in our our New York, Long Island heritage, don't we, right? And some of us here in the room, we've got pride in our Italianness or our Irishness or or our background, right? And we're told, okay, man, be strong in that, almost find your identity in that. What about our work ethic, right? Work really, really hard. The student you are, the worker you are, right? Give it your all. It's like the old saying goes, you know, whatever you do, give it 100% unless you're donating blood. And so as we work really hard and as we try to almost prove ourselves, we begin to try to find our identity in our work ethic. Man, culture has made a real idol out of strength. Culture says, don't let anything knock you down. Don't let anything tell you you're weak. Don't let any weakness leak through or shine through, you make sure that the world knows how strong you are. Endure it all. It's a problem, though, isn't there? You see, there's a problem. You see, there, there, there's a healthy kind of strength, but but there's this problem because we all know something about ourselves. We we know that in reality, we're really, really weak, aren't we? See, there's a healthy kind of strength. My son, Landon, plays baseball, and I get to coach him, and, and there's this one kid on his team named AJ, and AJ is the man. AJ is two years younger than everybody else. I had AJ over my house this past week. He's playing with Landon, and I said, Landon, you're going to fifth grade. AJ, what, what grade are you going into? He goes, third, third grade, right? AJ is the man. He's the smallest kid on the team. I love it. When he comes up to bat, he gets up there. He gets into his stance. He's tiny, and I love watching the pitcher's eyes get all big because he's thinking to himself, How am I going to get a strike on this kid, right? His knees start here, his chest starts here. I got no shot at this going up. And A.J. walked like almost every time he was up. It was beautiful. But this one time, we're playing against the fastest pitcher in the league, and he drilled A.J. in the hip. And A.J. jumped back, dropped the bat, tears start coming down his face. He runs down to me. I'm coaching first base. A.J., you all right? Yeah. A.J., you want me to get a runner for you? No. No. A.J. steals second. A.J. steals third. A.J. scores on the next run. There's a healthy kind of strength, right? That's a good kind of strength. My son Cade, when he was two years old, was walking down from the second story to the first story in our house, lost his footing, tumbled all the way down to the bottom, crying. I go running over to him. Kelly goes, you want some ice? You want to lay down on the couch? He he ignored us, didn't even look at us, didn't say anything, just turned around and with tears walked back up the flight of stairs turned around, and with tears coming out of his face, walked back down like, I'm going to get this right. That's the right kind of strength. But our world, man, they're looking for a whole other kind of strength. They're looking for us to prove ourselves, find our identity in it. They're looking for us to show no weakness. But this is so important to talk about because the truth is we are weak. If the world values strength, every one of us is in trouble because every one of us truly is, at the end of the day, weak, weak. We may be strong in some accomplishments, strong in some spirituality, strong in some goodness, but at the end of the day, we're ultimately weak, and we try to hide it. That's what's so sad about our world, is we've decided it's better to hide it than to just show those, those cracks in our soul, those broken places, those voids in our heart or our life. We try to hide it. When Kelly and I were first married, we lived in an apartment in my uncle and aunt's basement, and it was really small. And we had this tiny little living room. It was literally a bedroom, a really small kitchen, a really small living room, and a bathroom. That was the whole apartment. And I thought I was still a bachelor, and so I had a full drum set set up. I had a bass guitar, an electric guitar, and all these amps in my tiny little living room. And so one day Kelly says, where are we going to pull this stuff? My brother and his wife are coming over. Where are we going to pull this stuff? I said, let's put it in that one closet. And so we smashed it in the closet, and we closed the doors, and everything looked great. And my, you know, my brother-in-law came in. and said, Oh, what a beautiful apartment. It's so great. And about halfway through the night, we're sitting back drinking some Dr. Pepper and having some pound cake. And all of a sudden, something in the closet shifted. And all of a sudden, you hear crash, cymbals, guitar strings, dogs are barking. We didn't even have a dog. Like, I mean, it was a mess, right? And I just remember my, Kelly and I met, you know, met eyes, and then my brother-in-law went, busted, right? Because what had happened? We did what we all do every day of our life. We have the closet door exterior of strength and togetherness and everything on the inside is falling apart. What do we do with our weakness? How do we view our weakness in a world that really doesn't accept weakness? How are we supposed to survive? How about this? How is God supposed to use us if we're so weak? How's that all going to happen? Some of you walked into this place tonight. So if you've come here before and you hear me talking about volunteering and, hey, we're going away, we're going on this mission trip and we're going to use our gifts and talents we're going to serve the poor and the homeless at the homeless outreach, and you're thinking to yourself, how can I do any of that? I'm so weak. God would never use me. He knows all the cracks in my soul. He knows all the crevices in there. He knows all the stuff behind my closet door. There's no way God could ever, ever use me. And if that weren't enough, some of us are mad at God because he's allowed the weakness in the first place. He allowed the circumstance that led to the weakness. He allowed the disappointment. He allowed the broken heart. He allowed the sickness. He allowed the financial strain. Who is he to allow this stuff? And why would he let it cause such weakness in my life? Now, some of you in the room, you're fighting with me in your head. We had two Marines here in the, in the 930 service today. They were fighting with me in their head. You're fighting with me in your head. Some of you guys are going to be going, no, I really am that strong, Doug. All right, maybe all these other people in the room, man, they're weak. I'm strong. And you know what? I've tried that. But let me say a couple things about that. First of all, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to always put on this persona of strength and togetherness. Let me tell you something else about this. Eventually weakness catches up with you. Let me tell you something else about this. Even if you were that strong, and you willed your way through difficulty, and you willed your way through a rough college you know, age or a, t- a tough t- college position, uh, you, you willed yourself through a tough job situation, you willed yourself through a really rough marriage, you don't really enjoy it, but you just kind of, because you're strong, you will your way through it, at the end of your life, you're going to stand before God. And what have you really accomplished in all your own strength? Nothing. So what do we do with our weakness? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can relate to this too. Because this is an everybody problem. We all have weakness. We all have cracks in our heart, cracks in our soul. We all have voids in our lives. We all have stuff behind our closet doors that are kind of falling apart. And so today, I hope you'll all find encouragement as we find the answer to all this. Some of you guys got beat up this week, man. You had a hard week. Some of you had a rough month, a rough year. Some of you guys, there's been a long season of disappointment, difficulty, hardship, insults pain brokenness what do we do with all that weakness Well, Paul's going to tell us tonight Paul did something interesting before the verses that he read what we're going to read in just a minute Paul started talking about all the strengths that he had in his life that he could brag about and we all have some strength in our life don't we Right, We all have some areas of our life where we could say, well, okay, this, this, this is something I'm good at. This is something I'm okay at. And Paul, right before he gets to what he's going to share with us tonight, he says, you know what? I could boast about my accomplishments. I could boast about the strength I have in my goodness, in my spirituality, in my heritage, in my work ethic, in my endurance of difficult things. I could do all that. But instead, he does something crazy that makes me feel like I got maybe some of this upside down. And I bet you do too. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 5. He says, but I will not boast about myself. Except about my weakness. What? Paul, why would you boast about your weakness? Why would you focus on your weakness? And just to let you know up front, Paul isn't being like a downer here. He's not trying to be negative. He's not trying to walk around life like Eeyore. He's not trying to fish for compliments, like the supermodel who gets off the stage and is like, I'm like so ugly, you know, and it's like, tell me how beautiful I am, you know, like Paul's not doing that. Paul is really genuinely boasting about his weakness. What's this all about? we're going to see here. Verse six, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. So Paul says, I do have some strengths I could talk to you about. I wouldn't be making this stuff up. He says, but I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So Paul says, I'm not going to brag about three different things. I'm not going to brag about what I've done. And Paul did some pretty great things. Paul started churches. Paul healed some sick people. Paul cast some demons out of people who were possessed. Paul did some really powerful things. He says, but I'm not going to brag about what I've done. He says, I'm not going to brag about what I've said. And Paul said some pretty impressive things because they ended up going and becoming part of Scripture. That's a good day if what you say becomes part of the Bible, okay? And he says, "All right, so I'm not going to brag about what I've done. I'm not going to brag about what I've said. I'm not going to brag about what I've seen because right before this scripture, Paul says, God showed me all these amazing revelations. But Paul says, I'm not going to brag about any of that stuff. Instead, I'm going to try to promote Jesus. And I'm going to if I brag about anything, it's going to be about my weakness. That is so different than what you and I do. We have it upside down, don't we? We have all of this upside down. Now here's what I want you to think about, okay? For the next Literally two minutes, we're going to have a little layover. Okay, you ever been on a trip? You have a layover somewhere? And that layover helps you get to the final destination, but it is not the destination. Years ago, we went to Belize on a missions trip, and we were in Dallas. And we had a layover in Dallas. And we were there for literally probably about 45 minutes. But I'm always like, yeah, I've been to Dallas. (laughs) And we were there 45 minutes. And then we went on to Belize. But we needed the layover in Dallas to get us there. And I think Paul gives us a little bit of a layover here. I think he he helps us understand where we have to start if we're going to end up actually understanding what to do with our weakness. I think right here he's helping us understand that we have to be humble. And this is so funny, right? We've talked about this before. The fact that pride and insecurity is so often linked, right? Some of you walked in here and I started talking about weakness. You're like, I'm so weak, I'm so weak, I'm so weak. But it's our pride that keeps that closet door closed and keeps all that security buried, right? Right? And so if you really want to deal with your weakness, if you really want to give God access to it, it's actually going to start with humbling yourself and saying, okay, I'm going to stop promoting my strength. I'm going to stop promoting what I've done, what I've said, and what I've seen. And I'm going to start to promote instead my weakness. Can I ask you a question? Are you drawn to or repelled from somebody who promotes themselves? I'm 100% repelled from a person like that, right? Right? Somebody who promotes themselves instead of promoting Jesus is usually selfish and really kind of proud and just really, you know, a little bit abrasive. But somebody who promotes Jesus is kind, selfless, puts others first. And I want you to think about it this way, right? People are repelled from those who make themselves look great, but drawn to those who make Jesus look great. And so Paul is starting us out by saying, all right, guys, you got to stop promoting yourself. Paul goes, i got a lot I could brag about, but I would rather talk about the weakness in my life than the strength. And that means something for you and I, especially guys in the room. That means something for us. That means we have to acknowledge our weakness. We have to begin to be willing to face it. Guys in the room, man, we don't like that. So we got these two Marines in the room this morning, and their mom was sitting with them. And she came up to me after the service. She said, I turned to one of my sons today, and after the service, I said, um, how do you feel about what you hurt today? He said, I feel like I got kicked in the chest. She said, well, sometimes we need to get kicked in the chest, don't we? You see, we have to be willing guys in the room here to face our weaknesses. We've got to be willing to kind of open up the closet doors and go, okay, I'm going to deal with all this mess. And that starts with humility. It starts with saying, all right, I'm going to face my weakness. Paul goes on. And we're kind of getting back in the plane here, right? We're leaving Dallas. We're on our way to Belize. Put your trade tables up. Turn off electronic devices. It says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, and this is an interesting verse, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. That's like, what? What is that verse all about? This is a really intense verse. And you guys ever been out gardening? I know it's a really you know hip thing to do at many of your age, right? What are you going to do this weekend? A lot of gardening, right? And so you're out there doing that. And I have this one specific tree in my house. It's like a shrub that grew into this massive tree. And I almost forget every single year. I happen to remember this past year that when I go to mess with that tree, it's got thorns like this big on it. And there's been several times I've just reached in there to grab the thing and yank it out of the ground, and I've ended up with a huge thorn in my hand. And Paul is saying here that to keep him from becoming conceited and to allow this humility to flow in his life so he could look at his weakness and deal with it the right way, that God allowed a thorn in his flesh. And people argue about what the thorn is. Was it sickness? Was it a person? Was it a spirit? Because it says it was a tormentor of Satan. It doesn't really matter. All that matters is that the thorn in the flesh would lead to weakness. And most of us would look at a thorn in our flesh and think to ourselves, this hurts. It leads to weakness. There's no way God could want this in my life. But Paul here says that the thorn was given to keep him from becoming conceited. That means the enemy didn't send it because the enemy wants you to be conceited. That means it came from God. In fact, it, 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 we, we find out even more here in the next in, in part uh, verse eight. It says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for it you. So we know God wants this thorn in Paul's life for this season, be it a difficult person, a sickness, or an attack spiritually. And you and I might look at that and say, why would God ever allow that? Why would he send something like that? It seems so incredibly unloving. And some of you guys right now, man, you have a thorn in your flesh. And it's okay. Paul prayed and asked that God would take it away. It's okay for us to do that. We ask God to heal. We ask God to provide. We ask him to You know, take annoying people out of our lives and, you know, all that kind of stuff or change us. And, yeah, that's the better one. That's the more spiritual answer. Go with that one. Okay. So God changed my heart, right, toward that person. So, So we pray that God will deal with these thorns, but sometimes he allows those difficulties in our lives. Question, of course, is why? He goes on. He says, all right, God was saying, he was right in the middle of the sentence, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he says, for my power is made perfect in Weakness. All right, now we're past Dallas. We're getting to Belize now. Now we're getting toward the final destination here of how to deal with our weakness. It's when we start to understand that when we face our weakness and embrace our weakness and even celebrate our weakness, we begin to discover something about God. It's in those moments and those times God's power is greatest in us. Is that it's apex in our life. And so if you walked in here tonight saying, there is no way God could ever use me. I'm way too weak, way too cracked, way too broken, too many crevices in my soul and my heart. I hope tonight what you're realizing is that the perfect person for God to use is the one who knows how weak they are. Perfect person. If you're here tonight and you're saying, hey, you know what? I'd be a great candidate for God to use, man, because I can preach and I can sing and I can, you know, evangelize and I'm a great artist and I can, you know, go, you know, spin basketballs on my hands and turn people to Jesus on the street corners, and I can I can do all these great things. There's a very good chance God's not going to do much through you and me. If that's our attitude. And I've struggled with that attitude in my life, if I'm being completely honest with you. But it's when you and I begin to go, Whoa. God. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't really even want to do this. I feel like giving up. I can't imagine how you could use someone like me. I have so many flaws. My soul's so cracked. My, my heart's so broken. My, I don't know how you could use me, but God, I'm, I'm here. If, if you can rest your power on my life right now, right here, then, then do it. Because listen, God, that's the only way anything good's going to come of this. Now we're in business. Last two months of my life. I told Joey and Andrew and Joe and Anthony about this. Last last two months of my life, I literally felt like God didn't just have like one thorn in me, had about a hundred. Just so many difficulties, so many painful situations, so many hurtful conversations, so many letdowns in relationships, so many painful things. And over the last two months, I can honestly say that I felt like God just hollowed me out, man, and just created so many areas of weakness in my life. And I honestly at this point can thank him for it. Because I can say I see his power at work in me in a way it couldn't have been 2 months ago. And I see him graciously working cuz I have to literally just go, God, you have to like Promote yourself because I'm not going to promote me because I don't got anything to promote anymore, God. I can't promote our church's name. I can't promote my own personal agenda. It's just got to be you. And so, God, if you want to use me, then go ahead and do that. But it's got to be you. The perfect person for God to use is the one who knows how weak they are. Look at what Paul says next. He says, therefore, because of that, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. See, here Paul is opening up this whole different way of thinking because we have this so upside down. He's saying, listen, if you will embrace your weakness, watch the power of Christ rest on you like never before. Watch how your weakness is then shored up by his power. So can I ask you a question today? Do you have some kind of debilitating weakness in your life, a disappointment, a a difficult situation, a a hardship you can't overcome yourself, a, a sin struggle you can't get past, a person, a relationship issue you can't seem to figure out, a sickness, a financial problem? Do you have anything like that that's just so debilitating you got nothing for it? Well, then that's the perfect thing to say, God, come rest your power in this and make all the difference. I am reaching out for help here, God. The more I acknowledge my weakness, the more the power of Jesus works in me. You ever been trying to open up a jar of sauce or a jar of jelly? I remember as a kid, man, my mom would always hand me the jar of sauce, and now my wife does it. Can you open this? Can you open this? You know? And you wrestle with that thing, man. (laughs) Like, where's Dave Right, You wrestle with that can or that jar of sauce, right? And you even try all the tricks. You bang it against the counter. You put it under hot water. Eventually, you just throw it against the wall. You're like, it's open, right? Uh, like, but, but the wise person wouldn't just wrestle with it all day. You know what the wise person would do? They would find someone stronger. And so I always call my daughter Brynn. No, right? So when I was, a, I was a kid and mom would hand me the jar, I'd wrestle with it. And then I'd go, dad, <laughs> Come open this thing up, and in about 0.5 seconds, right, right, it's open. And then he'd always say, it, "Right, you help me open it. You help me loosen it, son." Good. He doesn't talk like that, but but you he help me <laughs> loosen it. It'd be cool. I'd I'd go for that voice coming out of my dad. Right, but man, what happened? I I embraced my weakness. I I I opened up the closet doors and I said, "Dad, help." And and his power then rested on my situation. And that's the potential for you and me. That's why Paul can celebrate weakness as opposed to like this world, push it away and pretend it doesn't exist. Think about it this way. Read this with me. Weakness is beautiful because it makes us rely on Christ's power and not our own. And so what weakness do you need to hand the, 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 the jar over to Jesus? What, what situation in your life do you need to say, God, I've been trying and I just I can't make this Work. And then Paul goes on. He says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. Did you see the word he used there? I delight in them. Paul, how can you delight in your weakness? Because then God makes up the difference. And so I would, Paul's saying this. You ready? This is so crazy. So different than we think. I would so want God to move in my life that I welcome the difficulties. Now, we don't go hunting them out, right? We don't go f- trying to find issues and trouble. and But, But when they arrive, we can almost see them for what they are, an invitation for God's power to come in, you know. And this is hard, guys. I walked over here today to move a wire, and I stood up, and I cracked my head on the corner of that TV. And I was not like, God, I praise you for the pain ruminating through my, I don't know, that's a word, through my, right? It's not what I did, because it's hard when you're in pain, and it's difficult to find that this is an opportunity to get closer to God. And that's why God is loving when he allows the thorn in our life, and when sometimes he even sends the thorn in our life. He's making a space for his power to come in. He loves us enough to help us. There are times my kids, I'll see them struggling with something, and, and my heart is just to go, can I help you with that? Can, can I do this? And, and sometimes I'll just grab it out of my kids' hands and even get mad. Dad, I can figure it out, you know? Let my power rest on the situation. And then Paul wraps it all up with this beautiful statement. He says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why would I celebrate weakness? Because when I'm weak, then I'm actually strong. Then I'm actually on to something. You see, when I'm strong in and of myself, that's actually when I'm weak. But when I'm weak, then the power of God is going through my life, filling up all those crevices, filling up all those broken places in my life, and now I'm actually strong. And some of us, many of us in this room have seen how true this is. We have seen, as we've brought addiction to God, and we've said, God, I tried this my own way, and I just can't fix it myself. God, help me. My addiction to drugs, my addiction to alcohol, my addiction to pornography, my addiction to sex, all these things, God, I'm going to bring them to you now. And I'm weak, help me. Talking about night and day. Gossip, man, it's just eating me up. It's all I do, it's all I, God, help me, change me. Unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. God, I got nothing. I have nothing. And God smiles and goes, I have everything. You're in the perfect spot for me to come and make you strong. Because when we are weak, then we are Strong. Have you seen how we've had this upside down? Have you seen how we got to draw open the closet doors and be real with God and real with each other about all the stuff that's falling apart behind the scenes? What I hope you guys are getting out of all this tonight, I think this sums up what Paul is saying here in these verses, that every weakness we have is a void for Christ to fill. What a different way to look at weakness. Every weakness you have in your life is actually a void. It's a space now that Christ can fill. So instead of looking at my weakness and saying, I hate this, I just want to get rid of it, suddenly now I'm inviting God to fill it with his power and with his life. I like to think of our lives kind of like this. Like we have the strength of this block. This block has some strength to it. It's survived all three of my kids. And Landon, my youngest, his nickname growing up is Landon the Destroyer. And so this block has been thrown, stepped on, sucked on, spit. It's probably been lit on fire. Like anything that you can imagine has been done to this block. And so it has some strength of its own. But it also has these voids, doesn't it? It has these holes, these crevices. And if left to itself, will eventually, if enough pressure is applied, break under that pressure. But if I take some cement and I mix it, and I kind of make a little concoction here, and suddenly I look at these voids, and I ran this cement down in here, and I kind of fill in those voids with this cement. I want you to think about it this way. Now, the weakest part of this block is its strongest. As concrete sets, as it forms and fills these voids, what was the weakest part of this block is now its strength. And that is our life, guys. This is us. We have strength to a degree. But I don't know about you, we, we, we could either go through life with all these crevices, with all these voids in our lives, or we could say, God, fill them in. Fill them in with your power and let that set in and let that form and mold in me an immovable force that cannot be messed with. And that's why Paul is able to say, I will celebrate my weakness because then Christ can evade and evade all those voids. All those things that I would have otherwise left back in the closet and they would have come back to haunt me later in life. And so, will you start to view weakness in a different way? Instead of pretending it's not there, instead of avoiding it, instead of hiding it behind all of the masks and all the things we tend to, will you instead invite Christ to invade those crevices? And starts with being humble. It starts with being humble. Guys in the room especially, willing to get specific with God. See, here's what we got to do, guys. We're not good at this either. I'm sorry to beat up on the guys tonight, but I'm with you. I'm struggling with this stuff too. Not only do we struggle with being humble, we also struggle with being specific. And so some of us, what we would do is say, all right, God, Doug said I should ask you for some help. And so, help? (laughs) No. How about this instead? God, when I was... 15, man. My friends abandoned me, and there's probably still a good bit of a void in my heart because of that. And when I was 19, my dad said he never wanted to see me again, and there's a good void in my heart because of that. When I was 22, I was dating this girl, and she broke my heart and cheated on me. And and man, there's probably still some stuff from there that God, I need you to fill up. And when I was 25, I got my, my. first full-time job, and I was killing it, and suddenly I got a pink slip. And, and God, when I was 30, and, and, and we were specific. God, God, here are the crevices in my soul. Here are the cracks in my heart. God, here are the voids. Now come, fill me, infuse me. Don't just say help. Say, God, here's where I need you to help. And God, maybe even remind me of all the things I've been through in my life that I'm not even thinking of or remembering right now. And God, please fill me. And so we begin to bring Him the areas Of our lives. And you know, we begin to discover that when we bring him our insults, when we bring him those words, teachers and coaches and bosses and parents and older siblings and cousins and aunts and uncles once said to us that were so damaging, when we bring him our persecutions, when somebody treats us a certain way because we go to church and we take Jesus seriously, when we bring all that, we begin to discover that every insult we face is an occasion for God to bring comfort every single time. So instead of looking at those hurtful words that that teacher said to me when I was in ninth grade, and I just, you know, think about it, and my heart's so hurt, or the things somebody said to me last month that that hurt me so much. Instead, I could say, all right, I'm going to stop thinking about this upside down. I'm going to recognize this is an awesome opportunity for God to comfort my soul. And there's nothing better than God comforting my soul. And so now I can thank you for the difficulty. I can thank you for the thorn. I can thank you for that thing that created weakness in my life. And we bring him our difficulties and our hardships. And we discover every difficulty we encounter is an opportunity for God to show up. Every single one. I remember a few years ago when we first found out that the town was going to take away our parking at our old building. Right, We're going to lose like a third to to, to half of our parking. I was sitting at one of the most holy of all places on Long Island, uh, Bobby's Burger Palace, with my brother-in-law. And we were talking about this. And I said, you know, We're in trouble, man. Our church is in trouble. We're going to lose a bunch of this parking. And he said, you know, Doug, I once heard somebody say that when you have a problem, you shouldn't say you have the problem. You should say that God has the problem. And so he looked right back at me and said, you know, it sounds to me like God has a parking problem in a church on 347. And I said, that's a different way of looking at that. Because every difficulty is an opportunity for God to show up, right? And here we are sitting with everyone here comfortably parked with probably another 100 empty spots here tonight. Pretty cool way God came through for you and I. And so every opportunity we have to now look at as a chance for God to show up in our lives and let his power make the difference. Every weakness we have is a void for Christ to fill. Some of you guys might still be going, but Doug, oh man, I'm so arguing with you in my head because you don't know just how weak I am. You don't know how much I have behind my closet door. Well, there was this Christian guy who was an Olympic skater, his name was Scott Hamilton, and he estimates he fell down 41,600 times in his career. And of course, his next statement is, that also means, I got up 41,600 times. Now that's great and all, and it's inspiring. We could put it in the boardroom across the hall with the other cheesy sayings. But the truth is, guys, I'm not telling you tonight, come on, you can do it. You can get up 41,600 times. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, you can get up because someone will pick you up 41,600 times, 500,000 times, 5 million times. If that's what you need, if that's how many times you fall, there is a Savior ready to pick you up and carry you every single time you and I are weak. And he invites you and I to invite him into our weakness. So will you do that tonight? Guys in the room, will you humble yourself? And will you get specific with God about the weakness in your life? Ladies in the room, will you humble yourself and bring to God some of those broken places? You never told your boyfriend about them. You never told your dad about them. You never told your best friend. You never told your spouse. You never told anybody about them. But God wants to hear about them. And he then wants to fill you. And make you strong with his power. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you hear tonight all that God will do. And it's all possible because Jesus died on a cross, rose back from the dead, and wants to give you and I life in him. And i got to tell you the difference between God and everybody else. got to tell you the difference between Jesus and everybody else. You see, Buddha and Muhammad and all these others, they will give you advice about what to do about your weakness. But only Christ will fill your weakness with his strength. Everybody else stands on the outside and says, here's what to do about that weakness if you just do this and do that and do this and you go through these steps and all that. But Christ just says, no, how about you celebrate it and you invite me into it and you watch me become your strength. Because every weakness we have is a void for Christ to fill. Let's pray. God, we come to you tonight desperately needy. We are weak, God. And man, I, I lead that charge. I lead that charge, God. I have so much weakness in me and so many things that I need you to fill. And so, God, we ask you for help, and we ask you for the ability to humble our hearts before you tonight, God. I thank you that you promise grace to those who humble themselves. And I pray that we'll get specific with you right now in this moment and not put it off another minute. If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you need to humble yourself and get specific about with Jesus right now? And ask him to come and fill that void in you with his power. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would just encourage you to pray something right now. Begin a conversation with God. You can say something like this, Jesus, thank you so much for dying in my place so that I could know you. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And God, I want to thank you right now that you have promised to now fill me with you. But you're not just going to give me advice about how to change my life. You're going to change my life. You're not just going to guide me in the right direction. You're going to be my direction. And so God, come into my life and give me this salvation, this hope, and this strength that comes from you alone. In your name I pray.